take your Bible, and uh, we're going to head over to a couple of different places. I'm going to start you out in John chapter 10, and then we're going to get over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, number 15, post-haste. I love that song. It preached my whole sermon. And, uh, O death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. And that word is important. If you're with us in Sunday school, you kind of know where we're going. This idea of the authority of Jesus Christ is going to be our our foundation for the entire day. And it was the subject of study in the 10 o'clock. It'll be the subject of study in the the 6 p.m. tonight and the subject of study this hour as well. I love resurrection morning. Absolutely. I absolutely love it. It's probably my favorite Sunday of the whole year. God's people gathering together to remember the suffering sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection as we talked about in the 10 uh, a.m. service. The sole centerpiece of our service this morning is going to be Jesus Christ. And and if you're here for the first time, we've got a lot of visitors with us this morning. And let me say two things. Number one, first off, thank you for coming and being with us. But number two, I have nothing trivial to impress you with. And uh, I don't necessarily apologize for that, but uh, we don't have any of the fluff today uh, as it relates to Easter. I'm not always opposed to some of those extra things, but we don't have an egg hunt. We don't have a cool band um, to uh, entertain you with. Uh, we don't even have a cool song leader. I'm just kidding. Brother Hunter is pretty, pretty decent. But we don't have any of these trivial, fluffy things like a giant slide or a family photo booth after service. But what I do have to offer you is something far better than trivial entertainment. I have the resurrected king conquering and dethroning uh, the authority of reigning death over your life and mine. So we're going to talk about uh, this morning. The resurrection has power in very practical, tangible, appropriatable ways to your life and to mine. The resurrected Jesus holds all authority in heaven and in earth. And so I want to lean into that word this morning, authority. Talked, like I said, a little bit about it in the 10 o'clock hour, but this word authority is something I want to define our Easter service. It's the entire study of the day. The definition for authority, we, we've seen it. We, we did a study on the idea a couple of weeks ago, but the idea of authority is the word power, and it means the ability to decide, lean in close and catch this, the ability to decide decide or act without hindrance. And Jesus holds sole authority over everything. He has the ability to act and decide without hindrance. Not even death holds authority over Jesus as we're going to see. Now, a few weeks ago, as I mentioned, we did a study into the authority of Jesus' life on full display. We walked through, I think, a whole week or uh, maybe two weeks. We talked about this idea of, of he was seen as one having authority. Not as the other religious teachers, but when Jesus spoke, he spoke with authority. He had authority. He could cast out the uh, the demons, he could heal the sick, he could raise the dead. And the the religious elite of that day, they they were so concerned of the things he could do, they they couldn't question his power, but they wondered by what authority he did these things. How did you accomplish this? And how could you raise the dead? And how could you speak with such boldness? And as you look at Jesus in a crowd of people, from an earthly perspective, he doesn't look much different than those he walked among. But when you look at him in terms of authority, you realize very quickly that Jesus was not just a man among boys. He was a God among men. He was the creator of the universe, having flesh, walking in our world and changing all of the scope of authority that you and I would understand. And when we think about the cross this morning, we think about an an empty tomb, I want you to recognize, and we talk more about this in the 10 a.m. than we have time to talk about now, but when you look at the cross, I want you to remember that Jesus... Jesus' authority was completely intact all the way to and through the cross. He hung on that cross of his own volition. 
He chose to stay there. He opened his arms and laid down his life. He endured the cross with all of his faculties completely intact. He became sin willfully for us. This isn't weakness. This isn't Jesus being beaten. This is Jesus laying down his life for our sakes. And John 10 verse 18 is where we're going to start our study, but it's by no means where we'll end. John 10 18 tells us this. No man, Jesus speaking, no man taketh it from me, uh, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down on the cross, and I have power to take it again. And that is authority, the ability to act without any hindrance. Jesus, no one took his life, he gave it. No one could keep his life gone, he took it back up again. And this morning, I want you to see with great clarity, whether you're a first-time guest or you've been here many times, I want you to see with great clarity how the authority of Jesus intersects your life in very real and powerful ways. Now hold on to the idea of authority because we're going to jump into our text this morning in just a few moments. And while I don't have a grown man in an Easter bunny contest or costume to keep your attention, what I do have is the perfect word of God that will give you incredible clarity on what your life and mine should be and what your life and mine can be in terms of the authority of Jesus Christ. This book and the reality of the resurrection it offers is, is immensely powerful because it offers to you freedom. Here's the reality, and I'll diverge from my notes for just a second. Every person in this room is under the authority of death. Someday you'll die. And the reason you'll die is because way back in the garden, our text will talk about this, but way back in the garden, man chose to sin, and the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And death became our authority. And you know what they say, not everything, you know, uh, in life there are two things that are sure, taxes and what is it? Death. But is that true? Does Jesus not change the landscape and the scope of authority as it relates to our relationship and death? And this morning, I want to offer to you from the text of Scripture and tell you who the Son of God is and what freedom He offers to us from the tyranny of death. Because you're under it and so am I to a certain degree. Uh, and, and so I want us to take some time and look at this idea. Uh, and we think oftentimes, well, nobody escapes death. Well... Until the ground began to shake and the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out alive and he rendered death defeated because it is our enemy and it was his enemy as well. And so this morning I want to talk about the authority of Easter morning that Jesus securely possesses and what that means for your life and for mine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 15. Lord, I ask God you'd be with us today. Lord, I, I know across the scope of the room, there are those in this room who, who love you, who know you, who have been set free from the authority and tyranny of death by your authority and resurrecting power. They've been made free. But Lord, I also know there are those in this room who have not. And death still holds power over them. And Father, there is fear of the grave. There is apprehension of, of sickness and death because we don't know, they might not know what comes next. And no one they've ever known ever overcame it because no one did. Until you did. And so I pray, God, that today in a special way your spirit would move. Father, for those in the room who have trusted you as Savior, I pray that today would be an encouragement. For those in the room who have never accepted and understood the gospel message that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures and what authority that now possesses over us and over the dominion of death, I pray that each of us, God, would come to an understanding and those who are not saved would come to a saving understanding and knowledge of what you did for them and that their spirit, Lord, would draw close to you and have a desire to receive your offer, your authoritative offer of forgiveness and freedom from death. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray you'd make the text clear. 
I pray, Father, you'd help me be out of the way. I, I genuinely have nothing to impress these people with, nor do I desire. But, God, I desire to help them. I desire to encourage them. Father, I desire to shape them according to your scripture. I desire for the lost to find hope. Father, for the one who's perishing in their sins, God, to find eternal life. For the one who has been saved, God, to find uh, the hope that there is someday coming a resurrection for even our physical bodies. Our mortal bodies, Lord, must be taken off in our incorruptible form, as this chapter says, must be taken on. And I pray, God, you'd bless us this morning on this Easter day. Thank you for rendering sin in the grave defeated. Thank you for the power and authority that you hold to act without hindrance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we broke into our text and we'll spend, uh, oh, we spent all of last week in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you're not there, go there. Uh, and in the beginning portion, we're going to break it into three parts. We, we did the last part last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 12 uh, present this idea uh, of what the gospel is. And Paul is straightening it all out. And he says, here's the gospel that I preached unto you, wherein you stand and you've not received the grace of God in vain. And he talks about the resurrection and he, he asserts the, the reality of it. And Paul spends absolutely no time in 1 Corinthians trying to really convince the, the skeptic that Jesus rose from the dead. He says, I saw him with my own eyes. Uh, the apostles saw him. 500 people saw him. He is indeed alive. And he really doesn't spend a lot of time kind of trying to convince us. And so if you're here this morning and you're skeptical of the idea that Jesus rose from the grave, let me just say this. Do your research. History supports it. The scripture supports it. The apostles' life and death support it. Uh, the willingness of every martyr through the centuries, uh, those who saw him and those who had not seen him, willing to lay down their lives for something. James, his own physical brother, worshiping the resurrected Lord. You don't worship your brother unless he's God. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you of the resurrection. I'm going to try to convince you. Actually, I'm going to let Paul do the work today. I'm going to try to convince you of what power the resurrection has and what, what, how the landscape of authority dramatically changed on the cross and that Easter morning. Now, as Paul goes through this text, we're going to move into uh, something that Paul is going to address. He doesn't address um, the naysayer, but he is going to address what we would maybe know in our modern vernacular as someone who believes they're an annihilist. They believe that, hey, death is it. That's it's over. There's nothing more after that. The grave is final. It holds sole authority over all men. And Paul is going to spend the next 15 verses or so from about verse number 12 all the way down to verse number 15, 16, or forgive me, not, uh, 20, 20, 26, somewhere in there, uh, addressing this mindset that death does not hold final authority. So let, let, me, let me, if you would, dive in with me into verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, Paul started this church and told them as much that, hey, Jesus resurrected. He rose from the grave. In fact, he's just spent the last 12 verses asserting that. He says, but now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you, how say some among you rather, that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now look up here. The prevailing mindset, perhaps, of Paul's day is not entirely different from the prevailing mindset of our day. There are many, maybe even in this room, who do believe that death is the end. It holds the final say. It gets the last word. There's nothing after death. Once you experience that event, the, the book is closed and you are no more and it just comes to an end. Death gets the last word. It's the final act. And really this idea is about authority. There are those in this room and certainly those in this world who do believe that death holds the final authority over man because no one escapes it. Everyone goes to the grave. Nobody comes back. It's final. It's over. But according to Paul right here in our text, that's the mindset he's addressing. But according to that, that, uh, the text, Paul is going to address this, this idea 
and say, well, there's a huge kink in your theology. There's a huge problem with that mindset. If the grave is the end, here's what he says. Then what do you do with the bodily resurrection of Jesus? If death holds final authority over all men and it reigns supreme, unchallenged, unwavering, if death is it, then what do you do with Jesus? How is it if the book ends, does Jesus not? How is it if death has the final say that Jesus conquered the grave and what do you do that with that? And here's what it all comes down to. If death has final authority over humanity, why didn't it have final authority over Jesus? Throughout all of human existence, there's this very real problem that death has indeed reigned. It has reigned over, it has, it has uh, reigned over every single monarch and regent. It has outsmarted and outwitted the smartest humans. Even the geniuses among our ranks have all succumbed to death. It has deteriorated the strongest of men. It has bankrupt the richest of men. No matter your wealth, you can't escape death. No matter your rank in life, you can't escape death. No matter how smart you are, you can't escape death. No one has ever outranked death until... And the reign of death has gone, the Bible says, from Adam until today. And it has reigned unflinching, unwavering, and unchallengeable. But Easter morning redefined the scope of death's authority. Later on in this very chapter, we'll see it tonight. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus not only dethroned death and the grave, but he absorbed its sting. And he, he arrested its victory over even our mortal bodies. That today I can say this, and I don't have time to develop. You've got to come back tonight. But I can say this. Death doesn't have dominion over me either. My physical body may very well wear out and go into the ground someday, but it won't stay there. Because death does not reign anymore. Because of Calvary, because of the resurrection, Easter is about authority. Easter answers the question, who reigns inconquerable? Who gets the last say? Who do we stand before when it all ends? To whom do we go? Now, there's a lot of text to walk through this morning, and eventually it's going to carry us to this very deep answer, and you've got to hold on for it. But he's going to do something that's a little bit different as we walk in. Let me just kind of introduce to you the flow of the text this morning. The Apostle Paul is going to wade into some very uncomfortable waters. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of this, this sermon outline that Paul puts forth. It's very uncomfortable. Um, it's very hard to look at, and we're going to walk through it together. At the end of the chapter, man, it's beautiful. It's powerful. Verses 20 through 58 tonight, the power of the resurrection, the grave can't hold us. But before he gets to that, he's going to spend verses 12 through 20 dealing with this annihilist mindset that, hey, it's all over, and Jesus can't conquer the grave, neither can you. We're all going to the grave, and Paul is going to paint a picture of what life would look like. And listen to me, Christians and non-believers alike this morning. Paul's about to, in the next 10, 15 verses, he's about to paint for us a picture of what would happen if death still held authority. What would happen if Jesus couldn't conquer the grave, if the, the throne still belonged to death and there was no resurrection and death held inconquerable authority? What would like life look like? What would eternity look like? And I'll be honest with you, it is a dreadful proposition. It's dreadful. The ramifications would be vast and devastating. So let's keep reading and see. Again, I gave you the warning, so as we go in, it's, it's uncomfortable, just to be honest with you. Look at verse number, 15, uh, verse number 13 of 1 Corinthians. He says, but if, and so what he's saying is, hey, listen, I already stated Jesus rose from the dead, but if, let's imagine he hadn't, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? He says, if death cannot be dethroned, 
then Jesus' body would still be in the grave. And really, he's, he's painting an impossible hypothetical. He's saying, we know Jesus rose. I saw him with my own eyes, but let's play your game. Let's say that death did reign. Let's say that Jesus couldn't rise. What would the ramifications of that be? Now, let's look at verse number 14. But if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Listen, I'm, I'm pretty uncomfortable with what Paul is saying here, but it's scripture. And honestly, I don't like looking at this idea of this hypothetical that, hey, if death did win, because we know it didn't, but Paul's kind of playing their game. And he says, let's say if Jesus didn't rise, here's what he tells us. Preaching is empty. You came here this morning. If Christ be not risen, every moment of the next 75 minutes, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach 75 minutes, but every moment of this morning is empty. You're wasting your time, and I'm wasting your time. If death holds final authority over even Jesus, then our preaching is empty, and we're all wasting our time because, listen, what would I have to say to you? You come to church, and I'm like, hey, we're all going to die. Go home. What hope do I have to offer you? If there is no resurrection and death still reigns, what peace do I have to give you? What questions could I answer for you? If Jesus had not dethroned death that day, and praise be to God that he did, but if there is no resurrection, then your preaching is in vain. But did you notice at the end of verse number 14, it gets worse? He says, and your faith is also vain. If death still holds the throne this morning, then our God doesn't. Think about that. I told you it's uncomfortable. Your faith is empty and it's futile. It's placed in nothing that has authority. If death still reigns, you have nothing to hold to. You have nothing to believe if Jesus be not risen. And just hold on until we get to the first five verses. You're going to read it with me at verse number 20. You're going to read it out loud. But it gets even worse. Look at verse number 15. Yea, and we, he's talking about the apostles, are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Jesus whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Here's what he just said. If death remains unconquerable, then the apostles are liars. If death remains unconquerable, then what they told us is a bunch of fairy tales. We couldn't even trust this book if there was no resurrection. We couldn't trust the apostle Paul if there was no resurrection. We couldn't trust the apostle John if there was no resurrection. It'd all be fairy tales and we're all heading to nothing. And you might be here and that's what you think. But let me submit this to you. If Jesus didn't rise, you are right. And we are all going to nothing. But if he did, then faith isn't vain. And preaching isn't empty. And the apostles weren't lying. And the text of scripture holds authority. And we're all wagering it on one of two things. Either he did or he didn't. And if he did, he reigns supreme. But if he didn't, we're all headed to nothing. And obviously that's not true. Let's keep reading verse number 16 again. This is undoubtedly the crescendo of awful. Verse 16 and 17. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Would you read the rest of the verse out loud with me? Ye are yet in your sins. Here's what he just said. It's an awful hypothetical. But he said, if Jesus didn't rise then you and I and the Apostle Paul and the people in Corinth 2,000 years ago all stand securely under the weight of every sin you've committed. You stand securely a condemned of your sin, 
under the tyranny of your own flesh and of the grave. If Jesus didn't conquer the grave, then you and I stand guilty of all of our sin. Listen, if you remove the resurrection of Jesus, you remove his authority to forgive you of your sins. One commentary says it this way, the gospel preached by the apostles affirms Christ's death for our sins and the resurrection on the third day. But if the latter did not happen, there is no reason to suppose the former would be valid. He just died like another man. If he died and got buried in a a tomb and never came back, then what makes him different than any other human being who was conquered by death? But as we saw this morning, it's beautiful. Jesus didn't just beat the odds and come back. The odds were impossibly in his favor. The Bible says that it's impossible, but that the grave could hold him. It could not hold him. It wasn't even fathomable. If you remove the resurrection, you remove the linchpin of Christianity. Everything we believe is built upon that idea that death no longer reigns. In fact, Romans 4.25 says this, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. If you remove that resurrection, you, our, our justification itself begins to crumble. Verse number 18, it get, I don't say, this isn't worse. I feel like being under our sins would be the worst part, but look at verse number 18. It adds to it. If death still holds authority, verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. This is real personal for the people in this room who buried people. And if Jesus didn't conquer the grave, then that person you love and your heart yearns for every day, you'll never see them again. But if he did rise, and if he does hold authority, and if he conquered the unconquerable grave, then things are very different for you and I. And last of all, Paul sums this awful hypothetical up in a very familiar phrase, but maybe we've never seen it in its, in its actual context. Look at verse number 19. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He said, if Christ be not raised, and we're all going to the grave, and there is no conquering, and there is no coming back, and those we love are dead and gone, and we'll never see them again, then you're yet in your sins, and your faith is empty, and the preaching is empty, and the apostles were liars, and the Bible doesn't make sense, and if Jesus didn't rise, we are of all men most miserable. What an empty life Christianity would be. We're worshiping a God who couldn't even come out of the grave, hypothetically speaking. If the previous stated picture is our reality, then this life would be meaningless. If death still reigns, if the power and authority of the grave still remain unchallenged and unbroken, then all of this crumbles and we're headed to nothing. Because we have no Savior who can deliver. We have no God who can conquer. And we're all still under the emptiness of the grave and of our sin. But please read Five of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible in verse number 20. Read them with me. Ready? But now is Christ risen. But now is Christ risen. And he paints this awful hypothetical that your faith would be empty and your loved ones are gone and there is no authority in the words of the apostles or the scripture. But now is Christ risen and become the first fruits of them that slept. And yes, he did die. He died in power though. And he died willingly. And he died powerfully. And he died with his authority completely intact. And after three days, he conquered the unconquerable grave and dethroned your greatest enemy and mine. But did you notice, and we don't have time to develop it, the rest of the text does. We'll see it tonight. But did you notice in doing so, look at the end of verse 20. He became the first fruits of them that sleep. His authority over the grave 
dethroned even death's uh, authority over our physical body, then my physical body, yes, will someday go to the grave, but it won't stay there. Jesus was the first to come alive, but he won't be the last. And all of God's people will be resurrected. Let's keep reading. With grateful hearts, lean into the rest of the text this morning. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection from the, of the dead. Adam brought sin into this world, and death came with it. And you and I, every one of us, are guilty of the same failure. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all placed ourselves under the dominion of death. You see, when God created the world, it was perfect. And there was no death. And there was no dominion of death. And yet by one man, he ceded authority to death. But by one man, the man Christ Jesus... He took back the authority from the grave and he conquered the inconquerable and Jesus liberated us. Look at verse 21 again with that explanation in mind. For since by man, Adam came death, by man, Jesus came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. Look up here. Every living, breathing human being is a son of Adam. And therefore, your Adamic nature, theological term, your human nature, your sin nature, your flesh, brings you under the authority of the grave. That's why nobody escapes it. That's why no one wins. That's why no one comes back. But the, death, but grave, the grave could not hold Jesus. Keep reading in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You are the son and daughter of Adam. And you are therefore a sinner. And you are therefore condemned under the authority of death. But by the authority of a second Adam, Jesus, you are offered eternal life in conquering the grave, in conquering your own sin because it could not hold him and he paid the price entirely. The wages of sin is that we come under death, but Jesus paid those wages and broke those chains and broke that authority and dethroned the authority of the, of the grave and offers to whoever come. I will make you, look what it says in verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 23, but every man in his own order so all men will be resurrected in their own order. We'll see what that means in a moment. It says, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. Christ rose first, but when he returns, we all rise with him. Please note the authority in this chapter, verse number 24. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. You realize when this is all over, there stands one king at the end. Jesus gathers all authority to himself and he hands it over to the Father. Look what it says in the rest of verse 24. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Listen to me when we look at Easter and we look at the resurrection. We understand that no one and no thing will ever hold any authority on that day. Death cannot conquer Jesus when he hands the, the kingdom over to his father. He will have conquered every kingdom, every nation, every sovereign, every human being. Every authority will be brought under him. Keep reading in verse 25. For he must reign till he have put all, of, all enemies under his feet. Verse 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed, shall be dethroned, shall be rendered defeated. The last enemy shall be destroyed is death. So listen to me. 
The hope of resurrection is not about an Easter bunny, and it's not about a family photo, and it's not about a fun, hip church. It's about the fact that death lost its hold on all of humanity. Jesus conquered what could not be conquered. You and I earned what we could not overcome, and Jesus came and paid that price, conquered that grave, and the Bible tells us, and look, at you write the verse down, Revelation 118, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. He holds them securely in his hand, crowned as king at the end of it all, handing it back to his father, bringing all authorities under himself, and the last enemy destroyed is death. Not only does he hold the keys, he took the sting of death. He robbed the victory of the grave, and death no longer holds authority. And he can liberate you from its power. You know those addictions you constantly live in and cannot overcome? That's death. Well, nobody overcomes this. Jesus did. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He conquered death. The death you and I live in and love. The death you and I fear and will someday go to. He conquered it all. And he's offering to whoever, let it come. I will free you from the tyranny of your death. He can deliver you from the cords of your sin. He was risen for our justification, but you must come to him. You must accept his authoritative offer of redemption because he can save you. Let me say this. Would you go to Daniel 12 too? If you don't have a Bible, just look on with somebody or just listen as I read. But I do want you to go to Daniel chapter 12, verse number 2. Powerful verse in the Old Testament. Seated before me this morning are not mortal people. Now, in some respects, you are mortal, you will die. But you will live forever. All men will be resurrected. Oh, great, pastor. All men are resurrected from the grave, so we all conquer the grave? Well, no, not exactly. All men by Jesus will be resurrected to his authority. Daniel 12, 2 says this. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, they're dead, shall awake, some to everlasting life. Praise God, you've conquered the grave. Jesus conquered it for you. He raised you to life eternal. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There's not a mortal in front of me this morning. You will live forever. And if Jesus didn't rise, we're all headed to nothing. But if he did, and in fact he did, If Jesus did rise, then you will stand not before the authority of death at the end. You will stand before the authority of Jesus at the end. And to some, everlasting life. And to some, shame and everlasting contempt. You know what the word contempt means? I hold you in contempt, right? The court story, the court show we watch. I hold you in contempt. It means to deem one unworthy of attention. Get him out of my courtroom. I don't want to listen to him. I hold him in contempt. And if you stay under the tyranny of death, if you stay in your sins, you stand before him, not death, at the end of all of this. And you will stay guilty of all of your sin and responsible for the same. Like it or not, all men will come under his authority. If you think the authority of death cannot be fled from, listen to me just logically. If you think death is scary and it's hard, no one can escape that. I can't even flee from death. Imagine trying to flee from the one who conquered death. Jesus said this, fear not him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and soul in hell. 
In fact, here's what Scripture says in Psalm 139. Whether, I go, whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. You see, death can't escape his authority. And beloved, please listen. Neither can you. You will stand before him. And you will either stand before him forgiven, justified, completely atoned by the work and blood of Jesus and Jesus alone, or you will stand before him with all of your sin and every shred of works you hope by you favor. And Isaiah tells us this, your good works are filthy rags before the Father. No, but I did this one good thing and I went to church and I got baptized and I was a pretty good person. Let me in. And the Bible tells us this in Romans 4. If by works, then God owes you a debt. And God owes you nothing. He holds final authority. The grave could not escape him, nor can we. But here's the thing. It's not about escaping him. It's about coming to him. He came to free us from what we brought on ourselves. We think, well, how can a good God send people to hell? No, no, no. You're missing the idea. When God made us, we weren't going to hell. God didn't make hell for us. It had nothing to do with us. But we entered under death. We entered under sin. We put ourselves under that. And then God came to rescue us from that and offer us a way back. And so it's not about Jesus being so scary, I have to get saved. It's about the fact that Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much. He gave his son for you so that he could conquer the, de- the grave and he could conquer death and he could conquer sin so we could come to him and receive his offer of salvation. But should we choose not to? I would submit, it's probably one of two reasons here, if you're here this morning, and you say, I don't want that gift. One of two reasons. One, you don't think there's, you think death holds final authority. You're hoping when you die, it's over. Well, can I submit to you what Paul said? If Christ did rise, then it's not the end. And as much as you hope, you'll blank out into oblivion and no longer exist. What awaits you on the other side of eternity You're wagering on the idea and the hope in your mind, Jesus didn't rise. Because if he did, it's not the end. And he is stronger than death. But if you're here and you say, well, that's not my mindset, Pastor. I I believe he rose from the dead. How do I get saved? How How do I be forgiven? Well, listen. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're here and you'd say, Jesus, I see your authority. I see what you've done. I see how you, you, you went and died and paid my penalty on the cross, but you did it in power and you did it as God and you went to the grave and you stayed there, but three days later you conquered it for me and now you offer to me freedom from death. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We don't live under the tyranny of death anymore because Easter radically transformed the balance of power. Because Jesus is and was God. He died in power, but the grave could not possibly hold him. And he's offering to whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Let's pray.